Have a seat, everybody. Greetings to you over in those picnic shelter. You guys sitting out here, you in the cars. We're so glad you could be with us today. And I'm Pastor Mike, Pastor Elijah. We're going to read scripture for you here before Pastor Frank comes to bring the message about good news. And um, what a great opportunity. Great evening. Thank you all the teams that served. If you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, one of the key areas is downstairs. And the benefit of serving with our kids is that it's cool down there. But there's probably 50 kids down there this, this evening. Just so you know, there's a ton of kids. So we need some crowd control. So if you want to talk to Abigail after or whatever, just be part of the, the team. But it's great. They're watching a great little video series over the summer. And so just if you'd like to be on that team, we especially need people in, in August. But, man, we're so thankful for our kids and for all of you that are here. Today I'm going to be reading uh, from Matthew 26. It's in your sheet there. Uh, it's a story of Peter. It's what's happening to Peter in the period of time after Jesus is arrested and before he is crucified. And this is what the text says, Matthew 26, verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. Now just stop for a second. Jesus was arrested, all the disciples disappeared. He's taken down into the place where all these people are and Peter's slinking around in the cloud you know watching to see what's happening so understand Peter has not stood up for Jesus he's just kind of trying to blend into the crowd so that's the background of what's happening here now verse 70 Peter denied it in front of everyone I don't know what you're talking about he said later out by the gate another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around this man was with Jesus of Nazareth again Peter denied it this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. We have the second character contrast from Peter, which is Judas. From God's Word, chapter 27 of Matthew's Gospel, it reads, Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading, leading priests picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said. It was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says they took the 30 pieces of silver 
the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. We bless the reading of God's word. I think it was me. There we go. Mike, it might have been me. I don't know. Welcome to everyone sitting here in the sun. God bless you. Bunch of chickens. Buck, 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 buck. But you'll be the ones feeling better tonight. Good evening. Uh, thank you for attending our midweek summer outdoor service. Everyone likes good news. I trust everyone got a hot dog or two, some chips, something to drink. This heat keeps up. Maybe we're going to have some freezies next week. After the service is done, we're going to blow that jumpy castle back up for the kids. We'll be serving some more coffee, drinks as well. Your children are being well looked after downstairs, so it's our turn right now to hear some good news because I think everyone likes to hear good news. This summer we're going to hear about eight different people who had encounters with Jesus and through each encounter heard good news. Sometimes the good news are directly for the person, other times it was actually for other people. And Jesus had a habit of spreading good news and so we are in week two of our eight-part series. Tonight's interaction with Jesus is on two fronts. It's with two followers of Jesus. And not just any followers, but two of Jesus' disciples. The men who, who walked with, ate with, listened to, and who were witnesses of Jesus. They were the two of the inner twelve whom Jesus had personally handpicked and trained. Their names were Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. Now, Simon Peter was also known as a Cephas, which is Greek for rock. I often wonder if they didn't call him Rocky for short. And he was one of the first followers of Jesus. He was a fisherman by trade, and when called by Jesus to follow me, he dropped everything behind and, and he followed Jesus for the next three years, right up to Jesus' death. Peter was known as an enthusiastic, strong-willed, impulsive, and at sometimes brash man who had no problems being the self-appointed spokesperson for the disciples. It was Peter who tried to walk on water to get to, Peter, to, get to Jesus. It was Peter who took Jesus aside to rebuke him for speaking of his own death. And it was Peter who drew his sword and attacked the servant of the high priest, cutting the man's ear off. And it was Peter who boasted that he would never betray or deny Jesus, even if others did. Now I want you to remember this last point, because it comes into play a little bit later. Now that was Peter. How about Judas Iscariot? Well, he was also chosen by Jesus, along with others, after Jesus had spent a night in prayer on a mountaintop. 
There, there are many different Judases in the New Testament. The name was so popular that Jesus even had two Judases in his group of 12. There was Judas, the son of James, and then there was Judas Iscariot. Iscariot wasn't his last name so much as it was referring to the region in Judea that he originally came from. And to be fair, not a lot is known about Judas Iscariot prior to his being chosen by Jesus, but we do know a couple points about him. First, we know that he was really good at handling money because for the group, Judas Iscariot was put in charge of the money bag. He was their treasurer. John, The Gospel of John 13 tells us that. He controlled the purse strings, as it were. And second, we also learn in the Gospel of John uh, that Judas was a thief. So, I don't know, maybe he wasn't the best person to be the group's treasurer, after all. And I want you to remember this point about Judas as well, because it comes into play in a little bit. So Peter and Judas, despite being handpicked by Jesus, well, they both had a few, more than a few character flaws. And our good news story, where the, where the good news comes in, it actually occurs just as Jesus is being arrested. He's taken to Caiaphas. Jesus is, is, is taken to Caiaphas, who was the Jewish high priest. He was in charge of the, the religious courts. And, and through false witness and, and outright lies, Caiaphas finds, finds Jesus guilty of blasphemy. Because Jesus was claiming to be God, and Jesus was claiming he could forgive sins. Death is his sentence from Caiaphas. But there was a problem. Only the Romans, who controlled the area, had the right to put someone to death. So they had to take Jesus to the criminal courts now and stand before the Roman governor Pilate. Pilate could find no wrong with Jesus, and he even tried to get Jesus released. But the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead. So Pilate washed his hands of the case, quite literally putting his hands in a bowl of water. And he permitted Caiaphas, the high priest, to do with Jesus as he saw fit. So Jesus was sentenced to die by crucifixion. He was mocked first, tortured next, nailed to a cross, and then death. Our focus tonight is how the disciples responded. How did Peter and Judas Iscariot, in particular, respond to Jesus' arrest and subsequent trials? Peter was scared. Judas was disillusioned. So just prior to the events that Pastor Mike and Pastor Elijah read for us earlier from the Gospel of, of Matthew, chapter 26, Jesus, knowing full well that soon he was going to be put to death, he wanted to celebrate a last meal with his friends, with his disciples, with his twelve. It's what we know as the, the Last Supper. And it's here that Jesus does something remarkable. For first, as they were eating, Jesus announces nonchalantly, truly, I say to you, that one of you will betray me. I can just imagine 
the shocked look on all their faces. Maybe one or two of the disciples did a spit take, you know, with their wine because they were so shocked. But quickly, all of them denied that they would even think about doing such a thing. Not I, Lord, they said one by one. Not I, Lord. Jesus likely sighed a knowing sigh. And then he said this. He said, "Who he who dips his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took it and he gave it to Judas, the son of Iscariot. Jesus said to him, what you are doing, do it quickly. So after receiving the piece of bread, he left immediately and it was night. Now we're told that despite Jesus' statement, none of the other 12 disciples realized that it was Judas who was about to betray Jesus. In fact, on some levels, that betrayal had already been birthed in Judas's heart. Judas Iscariot was a proud Jewish man who hated the Roman government. He hated that they were ruling over his land, the land of Israel. He hated being under their yoke of oppression, and he was fiercely loyal to his country and its independence. Many scholars believe that Judas saw in Jesus a solution to their Roman problem. Jesus had been declaring himself to be God, that he was a king. Jesus, over and over again, had demonstrated powerful abilities, healings, bending the laws of physics, casting out demons. And, and Jesus talked about setting up his kingdom. He was their savior. And so Judas Iscariot was all in. But over time, Judas became disillusioned about who Jesus was. He, he was hoping for a warlike conquering hero who would wipe out the Roman government. But he was dismayed to hear Jesus preaching about love and forgiveness and turning the other cheek and leaving revenge to God. The more Jesus talked about kingdoms, Judas realized he was talking about spiritual kingdoms and not an earthly kingdom. And so at some point, Judas came to believe that Jesus was not the type of savior he was looking for. And so he, Judas, he went to the Jewish leaders who were looking for a way to arrest Jesus. And in the Gospel of John chapter 11, we read this. Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, he was to report it so that they might arrest him. And then we read in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 that when one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And so they counted out 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus. So these events that I just spoke about occurred, occurred before Jesus announced at the Last Supper that there was a betrayer in their group. In fact, as far back as the Gospel of John, chapter 6, when Jesus first picked 
the twelve. He said, did I not choose you? The twelve. And one of you is a devil. The betrayal at the hands of Judas Iscariot did not come as a surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew it was coming. But it still disappointed Jesus. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all do things that disappoint our God. And so we fall short of His glory. We're just out of His reach. But there's good news. But there's good news. You see, after the Last Supper was finished, Jesus took His disciples to a garden so He could pray. And after he was praying, after he prayed, we're told in the Gospel of Luke 22 that a great multitude, including he who was called Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went before and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? You see, this was the prearranged signal between the religious leaders and, and Judas. The man I kissed, Judah said, is the man that you are to arrest. Having arrested him, they led Jesus and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter, remember Peter? But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat amongst them. So the second remarkable thing that Jesus did at that last supper... Remember, I said he did a couple things. Was that he made a second announcement. He said this. He said, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of his flock will be scattered. See, Jesus knows he was betrayed already by Judas. The final act simply hadn't happened yet. And Jesus knows that the other 11 remaining disciples would scatter and hide when he was arrested. Jesus already knew that. But Peter, petulant, overconfident, braggart Peter, announces boldly in Matthew 26, even if they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And I wonder at that point if Jesus didn't just chuckle a little bit under his breath at Peter. Because Jesus knew. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, Peter, that this very night, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So let's fast forward back to Jesus' arrest in the garden. Remember what Peter did. Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat amongst them. He followed the armed guards and the religious leaders who had arrested Jesus right up to the door of Caiaphas' high court. He followed at a distance, quietly, he couldn't risk getting arrested either. He didn't dare go into the court building. Instead, he saw that people had 
had a bonfire going in the courtyard, likely to keep warm. And so Peter sat down, maybe to catch his breath, maybe to plan out his next step, and then it happened. Then it happened. Someone recognized him. A servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. And Peter stammered, and he spit out, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He denied being with Jesus. He was clearly spooked. He got up, and Peter moved towards the gateway when another servant girl approached him, and he said, no, hey, this fellow, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter vehemently denied it, saying he didn't even know this Jesus. He swore an oath and tells her, I don't know this man. What are you talking about? Now, Peter is really agitated. He's worried for his safety. If Jesus could be arrested, then anyone could. He needed to be careful. He needed to stay in the shadows. Don't let people get a good look at his face. Maybe he shouldn't have been such a vocal disciple after all. So he moves towards the archway of the, of, of, the, of the courtyard. And after a little while hiding in the shadows, those standing around him went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Peter had had enough. He began to call down curses upon their heads, and he swore to them, I don't know this man. And then Peter hears a rooster. When my daughter was quite young, it was time uh, for her and her, her baby brother to, to have a bit of a, what we like to call a mommy and daddy time, you know, where they went, went to bed and we could just catch our breath after a busy full day of raising two children. And we, we always told our kids, you know, well, Stephanie, if you can't sleep, it's okay. You can color, draw, read a book quietly, but you need to go in your room and we're going to put baby Chris in his crib in your room, so you got to be quiet. So we did that and what a blessed 30 minutes it was. And then I turned to my wife and I said, boy, Stephanie's been awfully quiet in there. My wife said, well, she probably fell asleep. Her routine was that she'd get up two or three times, ask for water, gotta go to the bathroom. You know how it is if you're parents of young kids. And I said, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's pretty quiet in there. So we waited another 10, 20 minutes. And then my wife got up and she went, opened up the door a crack. And all I could hear in a very stern voice, a voice that I have heard personally aimed at me, Stephanie, what have you done? I knew that tone. I've heard her use that on me. And I knew there was trouble. So she comes stomping back to me and she said this, you should go see what your daughter has done. Oh, my daughter, what has she done? I, we're all in trouble. So I go to the bedroom and I open the door fully and, and there's Chris in his playpen up and down laughing and giggling and he was just a baby. And there was Stephanie, maybe three years old, two and a half, and there's a marker all over the wall. All four walls. The door. All over Christopher's face. 
baby Christopher. All over her face, I said, Stephanie, who did this? She said, I don't know. I said, Stephanie, did you do this? No, Daddy, it wasn't me. I said, then who did this? And she goes, baby Chris. <laughs> For all have sinned. All have sinned. Three-year-olds, 99-year-olds, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We do things that we know we shouldn't, but we do them anyways. And so God is just out of reach from us. But there's good news. But there's good news. So three times Peter had denied Jesus. My daughter probably more than three times denied that she marked up the walls in her baby brother. Three times Peter is adamant that he does not know Jesus, nor has he hung out with Jesus, nor that he was a disciple of Jesus. Three times. And then Peter remembers the statement Jesus had made. Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out, scripture says, he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter denied Jesus, and his response was remorse. Peter, it was because Peter was scared. He was scared. How about Judas? How did he respond? Well, let's take a look. After he signaled to the religious leaders which one was Jesus in the garden by kissing him on the cheek, no less, such an intimate betrayal. The, the chief priests and the elders paid Judas with that 30 pieces of silver. And upon hearing that the high priest wanted to execute Jesus, and that the Roman governor Pilate had washed his hands of the case, Jesus, Judas himself, scripture says, was seized with remorse. Jesus may not have been the savior Judas was looking for, but he didn't want Jesus dead. The man was not guilty of any crime. Judas was simply looking to make a few bucks by turning in Jesus to the authorities. Believing Jesus, with all the power that he had in his possession, would either get away from the authorities or be found not guilty by Pilate. But when he heard that Jesus was being sentenced to death, Judas was overcome with guilt and he threw back the silver to his co-conspirators. And he cried out, I have sinned, I have betrayed innocent blood. Judas betrayed Jesus and his response was remorse because Judas was disillusioned. Peter and Judas were both disciples of Jesus, were both of the inner twelve with Jesus and who in their own way denied and betrayed Jesus, turning their backs on him. But that is where their similarities end. Because each made a different choice following their acts of remorse, their expressions of remorse. Scripture tells us that Judas was seized with remorse and that remorse caused him to return the money he had been given to betray Jesus. He understood that he had betrayed innocent blood and it cut him to the core. Judas felt sorry for what he did and he tried to make restitution by returning the money. Judas wasn't interested in changing his ways. 
He was just trying to avoid the consequences of his actions. He felt so bad for what he did. The fact that they wouldn't even receive the 30 pieces of money back. Judas thought there was no way back for himself. So he went out and he hung himself. Peter, upon hearing the rooster and realizing he'd done exactly as Jesus had predicted, he immediately felt remorse. Peter was sorry for what he had done, but, and here is the difference, folks, he sought to repent of his sins. Repent means to turn away from, to not do again, to not repeat them. So instead of suicide, Peter's sorrow led to restoration by Jesus because it was followed by Peter's repentance. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but there is good news, and here it is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Acts chapter 3, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The stories of Peter and Judas provided a huge contrast. Peter was scared, Judas was disillusioned, but their responses to their remorse was remarkable. We see in Peter the weakness of humanity and in Judas the guilt and spiritual consequences of rejecting Jesus. Both had fulfilled Jesus' predictions for them, yet they responded quite differently. Peter wept, he repented, and he was restored. Judas felt sorry for himself, could see no other way out, and took his own life. Yet forgiveness that was offered and given to Peter was also there and available for Judas from Jesus. But Judas chose not to pursue the forgiveness. Forgiveness is available to everyone who is willing to take it. If you allow your sorrow to lead you to repentance and confession, then you get to experience what Peter got, forgiveness, restoration, and that, any way you cut it, is good news. So don't let sorrow over sin lead you away from Jesus and into despair. Judas allowed his remorse to lead him to the conclusion that there was no longer any hope for him. And that hopelessness drove him to take his own life. Yes, you and I will be in sorrow over sin, and we ought to be. But where you let that sorrow lead you is essential to your spiritual health. I, I, didn't, I didn't accept the invitation from Jesus. I didn't accept his forgiveness until I was 19 or, or 20, when I was away at university. But, but just prior to that, I'd already graduated. I took a year off before going to university. And I was just going to hang out in my hometown and have some fun. So me and some buddies, we used to go inner tubing down the Coquihalla River. Now, if you know anything about the rivers in BC, the mighty Fraser is the big one, 
The Coquihalla feeds into the mighty Fraser, which empties itself in the Pacific Ocean. Well, we used to, as kids, just kind of meander down the Coquihalla, which is a lot smaller, a lot less rough than the Fraser River. We'd do that all summer long. But now that we were out of high school, we're adults, supposedly, me and a couple of buddies decided to go to the headwater, the beginning of the Coquihalla, way up, way up at the base of the mountain. And the water was rough, and it was deep, and it was fast. And we were excited to do this. If you ever saw the movie First Blood, that's where that, a lot of that movie is filmed, at the headwater of the Coquihalla. And it's there where we put our inner tubes in the water. And it was a rough ride. It was wave after wave. The water was freezing cold. We couldn't see. It was, it was just, we couldn't control ourselves. We were out of control. I hit a rock. I saw my friends hit a rock. And we were tumbling on our inner tubes. And I was bobbing in that water. The, the currents would push me down. I hit my head against a rock. I hit my arm. I was scared. I was scared for my life. I couldn't control. The current was way too strong. I was being bashed back and forth, hitting rocks up and down, up and down. And then finally, out of the corner of my eye, I believe it was from God. I don't know why, but I just do. I saw a cable that was buried partly under the river. And I saw it sticking out. And I just reached for it with all my gusto and I grabbed it. And even the current, even holding it with one arm, the current was trying to rip my arm out of its socket, but then I was able to get my second hand. And I was slowly able to crawl myself out of the Coquihalla and onto the bank. And I looked around and I couldn't see my friends. Where were they? So I was going down the bank, catching my breath. Sure enough, two, three, four hundred yards was my, was my first friend, Lyle. Lyle, you okay? I'm good, thanks. Have you seen Wayne? Haven't seen him. We walked down the entire way back into the town of Hope. Never saw Wayne. We didn't see Wayne again until four days later when his body washed up past Chilliwack on the banks of the Fraser River. I never felt so guilty in my life. I didn't force him to go. I didn't coerce him to go. But he was a friend of mine. And I felt such guilt. And my sorrow could have led me to some dark places, and at night times it did. But when I got to university, I got involved with a, with a group of young men and women who loved on me, who taught me about this forgiveness of Jesus, that even though all have sinned, and fallen away from the glory of God. The good news is if you confess your sin, if you let your sorrow drive you into his arms, that he's willing and ready to forgive you. And that's when I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. So here's my invitation to you. We all fall short. We all blow it sometimes. And maybe you're sitting here today and your heart is breaking because you think God can't love you or forgive you. And so you're ready to just give up and live a life of despair and regret. Here's the good news. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to find the forgiveness and the restoration that comes when you let your sorrow lead you directly to Him. So if that's you, if that's you today, let Him have it right now. 
Confess it to Him right now. Let Him cleanse you of your guilt and your shame so that you can move on to the full life that Jesus wants you to have. Peter chose forgiveness. Judas chose sorrow. Peter chose to repent. Judas chose to feel sorry for himself. Repentance always leads to spiritual life. Eternity with God. Sorrow leads to spiritual death. And that's an eternity without God. So don't be sorry for your sin. Ask for forgiveness. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Invite Jesus into your life. Turn from your sin, whatever it might be. Repent. Don't do it anymore. And experience spiritual life. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is calling you. The Father's arms are open wide. And he is offering you forgiveness. That's the good news. So are you hurting? Are you broken? Are you overwhelmed? Jesus is calling. That's the good news. He's waiting. The Father's arms are open wide. That is good news. Amen. I often wonder, I, I often wonder why God spared my life and not my friend's wings. And I, I don't have an answer for that other than I knew that I needed to do something with my life to honor his death. If you need prayer for something today, head over to that white tent or come up to the side of the stage. We have some pastors here. We have, we have a prayer team that will pray with you. Uh, just don't go away if you need prayer. We want to spend time with you. The Jumpy Castle is going to be inflated right now. I, I hear there's some fresh coffee and drinks for you too. Take time to visit with one another, please. Parents, can you please make your way as soon as you're able to go pick up your kids so they can come and enjoy all the festivities out there. Next week, our, our theme is Tropical Night. And if you're here for the first time, we would love to meet you. If we haven't already, swing by the white tent, the connection table, uh, give you a gift bag as a thank you for just coming out tonight. And if you're a regular attender, or if you attend another church in the area and you want to give back to God, there's a place you can do that in that white tent as well. God bless you. Do not let your sorrow lead you away from God. Let it draw you to Him. Go in peace. God bless you all. Have a great night.